The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me on Psych Up Live today. We're going to be asking the question in this show, can we change bullies to buddies? Bullying impacts millions of children, parents, and individuals in our schools and communities. Given that bullying and being bullied can leave lifelong scars, we need to address the fear, intimidation, shame, and abuse of power that fuels bullying. In an earlier show, our guest, Alan Eisenberg, the founder of Bullying Recovery, discussed this topic, how many years it took and how much he suffered from bullying. In this episode today, our guest is Connie Palmer, teacher, counselor, and therapist, and she's going to discuss the Bullies to Buddies program originally created by school psychologist Izzy Kalman. Connie Palmer has been working with children for 30 years. One of her missions is to share what she considers the gold she has found in the Bullies to Buddies curriculum. She is currently the clinical training director of Imagine, a center for coping with loss in Mountainside, New Jersey. There she offers trainings on how to support grieving children. She has offered the Bullies to Buddies workshop to children and teens who attend grief support groups because many grieving children are the victims of bullying. We'll be mentioning that in the show. Connie Palmer, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm just so excited to talk about uh, this topic today. Great. Let's start by defining bullying for our listeners, Connie. Okay. So, so I have a very simple definition. So this is not the HIB definition that schools would use, but it's very simple. It is to gain power at someone else's expense. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about that, I'm not talking about often the media when they show images of bullying, they show someone being kicked and punched. So if I were, if Suzanne and I were together in a room and I were to kick her and punch her, no one would say, oh, stop bullying her, Suzanne. They'd be calling the police and charging me with assault. So I just want to differentiate that from the get-go. So when I talk about, certainly people are gaining power at other people's expense when there's, you know, physical assault happening, but I'm only talking about uh, verbal aggression when I'm talking about that uh, in terms of today's show. Okay, so tell us with that in mind, what's the rationale behind the idea of changing bullies to buddies, Connie? 
So one of the things that I loved about this program, I was uh, complaining to someone about 10 years ago that I, you know, was working in the schools and I was working as a therapist and, and you know, both as an educator and as a therapist, you know, t- teaching people how to handle aggression uh, or what we call bullying it isn't something that you know, was certainly, at least at that point, something I'd received in my graduate or undergraduate work. So this person said, oh, I just went to this great seminar called Bullies to Buddies. You should go. So I went. I went once. And I'm like, this is so different from everything I've learned. Um, so I went a second time. And then I asked uh, the principal in the school where I was working, could I try these strategies? And it worked like the best diet ever. Uh, kids who've been bullied for years uh, were able, with a couple sessions with me practicing these uh, role plays that we'll give you an example of later, um, they were able to decrease the or eliminate uh, all on their own without, you know, uh, involving adults. They were able to decrease the, the experience of, of being on the receiving end of aggression. And they certainly were able to begin to feel resilient and uh, a sense of power uh, within themselves rather than seeing that the bullies have all the power. What's interesting to me is very often children who've been victimized, Connie, are very silent about it and don't really know mm-hmm. what to say. They become so frozen, so mm-hmm. embarrassed. Yeah. So I'm curious yeah. to know how you go from taking a third grader who is so frozen when someone starts bullying her, that the last thing she's going to do is find the words to respond. So it's, I'm curious how this happens. Yeah, that's, a, that's and I, I can relate to that as a kid. I was bullied, and, you know, the, the, we kind of had these two ways of coping with it. We either freeze or we fight. Uh, mm-hmm. We fight back, we insult them back, or we freeze and have trouble coming up with, with words. Um, or, you know, we, get, we just get upset and cry or, or um, look upset. So uh, the way that this model works is it works based on a role play and practicing role plays when you're in a safe situation. So with a parent, with a school counselor, with a therapist, um, anyone that you feel is trustworthy. And in, that, in those um, role plays, uh, kids first um, practice what I call the power game. And what the power game is, 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 is these role plays. And you get a sense of, um, the, the, let's say, for example, the child will insult their parent, of course, with permission or the therapist. And then the, the therapist or a counselor or a parent responds um, in the wrong way, like gets upset, insults them back, or doesn't say anything at all, or cries. Um, and what happens in that is that the person who's being mean wins the power game because they were able to control the other person's behavior. They got that person upset. And then you do the role play again, and the, the kid insults the, the adult. And then the adult uses what I call one of the you know, elements of the golden rule toolbox, and we'll talk more about that later. But they respond in one of those ways. Um, and uh, the, the person um, who is doing the insulting loses the power game. And this, this interaction, this power game is happening not just in schools. It happens in workplaces. It happens in relationships. And what this program allows kids to do is practice in a safe place 
workplace, how to respond and when it doesn't feel safe. Because what happens to our brains um, is when we're in that fight or flight um, response to someone being verbally aggressive to us, we're flooded emotionally. A lot of the anti-bullying programs that I've come across are problem-solving oriented. Well, in that moment that someone's just called me a horrible name or insulted me or said excluded me or whatever they might do, and I've got all these emotions, I can't problem solve, but I can remember a script. If I practice that script, just like an actor who has stage fright, if I practice that script ahead of time in a safe situation, then I'm going to be able to use that response in um, a real-life situation, even though I'm flooded with emotions. So that's the sort of basis of the program. Well, two things you said that I just want to underscore because I think they're so important. One is you said the coach, the teacher, or the professional working with the child. Now, since we know whether they're little ones or teens, very often children don't tell parents about bullying because they're Mm -hmm. afraid they'll be blamed or that the parent will overreact and make the situation worse. Mm -hmm. So one thing your program Mm -hmm. is doing is giving a very constructive role to the adults in the situation. So it's, there is an adult that that's a good thing, but they are, they have a specific role of empowering the child with the coaching and the idea, Connie, and I, I didn't realize it when we first spoke about the program, that the role playing puts the child in the bully position, I think is wonderful mm-hmm. because one of the things you've let me know is the whole idea here is to change the asymmetrical relationship to an even one. The very experience mm-hmm. of me being in the role play, the bully, already demystifies that because I've now played it. I've been in that spot. Mm-hmm. I know that. So when it comes at me, it's not coming from a place I don't know. I've walked in those shoes in the role play. So I love this. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about it, and I'm so glad you mentioned it. Um, they've played both parts, which is just what we want them to know. That they and the bully are very much coming from the same page. They're even. They're equals. Yes, exactly. And I, and I think that, um, you know, what, what happens is when these kids uh, are pr- using these skills, uh, it, you know, a lot of times, um, as you said before, kids don't feel like they have any power. But when we give them the power to say, you, you could solve this, you could have some uh, ways of influencing the situation, it's very empowering. Right, because no matter how hard adults try, and believe me, when I was a teacher, I tried very hard to eliminate bullying from my classroom. When I was a therapist, when I was a school counselor, I did the same thing. And the reality is that people are uh, who don't have a sense of what therapists would call their own internal locus of control, so their own sense of their own power, they are going to be looking for it from others. So one of the things I want to explain is what I kind of call the bullying cast of characters. So, um, and the, actually the word bully, I think, is a tough word. So maybe you could do an example with me. If, if you could call me fat, we're going to do this twice, but for the first time, if you would just call me fat, Suzanne, and I'll do one typical response. Go ahead. Uh, Connie, what do you eat all day? You're so fat. I am not fat. You're fat. You better stop saying that to me because I'm going to tell on you. You're mean. Okay, so that's response number one. Say it to me again. Connie, you're a creep and you're fat. 
You know, I have put on some weight lately. I've just, you know, it's really hard for me that I, you know, I like to eat a lot and sometimes I, but you're so skinny. You're so lucky. Don't you never, don't have a problem with, you know, putting on weight? No, I don't have a okay, problem. Okay, so which one, <laughs> which one was I the bully, Suzanne? Well, I mean, which one, uh, one, in which, in which scenario were you the bully? Oh, I, well, I'm actually the bully in the first one, but you start bullying me back. And in the second one, right. you say to me, well, listen, you actually confirm, yeah, I have put on some weight, which actually <laughs> does diffuse it somewhat. Right. So, and see, the problem with the word bully is it's very subjective. So, if I don't get upset, right, so has bullying occurred? Yes, you've said this ab- aggressive thing, and we need to help you with that. We need you to learn how to handle that differently. But you haven't gotten any power from me. I haven't gotten upset. And the chances of you coming and calling me fat again are much decreased because I didn't get upset. I didn't reward you. So that um, leaves me feeling powerful. And hopefully, you know, there, if we change our lens a little bit, someone comes uh, to the person who's the aggressor here and helps them find a way that they can be empowered themselves. Because often that, uh, that kid or that adult is a victim somewhere in their life. See, we think of bullies and victims in a, in a way that the bullies to buddies model sort of flips upside down. So when we think of the word bully, most bullies are feel somewhere in their life like they're not powerful, like a victim. So it could be at home, it could be a peer group, or it could just be that they don't have that sense of that, you know, their own power within them. They haven't learned that they have power. So when someone is a victim in life, somewhere, you don't necessarily even know where it is, Uh, they feel powerless. And how else do victims feel? They feel angry. And when the whole bullying drama plays out and they get found out as a bully and then they get punished, whether it's with a sibling or at school, um, they feel even more powerless and more angry. Now, this is one of the key things I would love everyone listening to take away with them. So how many of us have thought, well, how can these kids be so cruel? You know, they, they seem like they're a sociopath. You know, when, when the kids that imagine uh, when they're being bullied... It just seems unfathomable that someone would say to a grieving kid, you know, I'm, you know, your dad died to get away from you. You know, so there's horrible things that are said to kids. Um, and how is it that these kids are, you know, able to say these horrible things? And here's the reason. So the desire, the desire for power or the feeling of powerlessness and anger will block empathy. It creates mm-hmm. what I would call sort of a temporary sociopath. So my need to get power from you and to not feel powerless is so great and my anger is so great that it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep me from feeling any compassion for you and what I've done to you. And then if you get me in trouble for what I've done to you, I'm going to have even less empathy. So we want to think about, when we use the word bully, quote unquote, we want to think a little bit more deeply about this and think, okay, what's going on for that person? Why are they doing this? There's a really good reason. And when you empower kids, both the person who acts as the aggressor and the person on the receiving end of the aggression, when you empower both of them, what happens is that child uh, redevelops their sense of empathy, uh, the person who's the aggressor and the person who's on the receiving end is empowered because now they know how to respond. So, so um, that's kind of the, a new way of looking at it for most people. 
So let me just rephrase it to say, so we, we, we always say often that bullies aren't born, bullies are somehow made. And if we look in the schoolyard, based on what you're saying, the bully's really not that different from the other children, except that they're far more desperate. They have not found a constructive way to be popular mm-hmm. or to feel powerful mm-hmm. or to feel some sense of agency. Mm-hmm. So they're working from a place Mm -hmm. of desperation. And when you're desperate, you will say horrible things to somehow get Mm -hmm. some attention in some way. So that they're no different except they're far more desperate than the other children. Well, and there are any, you know, all of us, when, if, if we think about times in our life when we felt powerless, we've all done things, you know, to gain a sense of power, like we'll gossip or we'll, you know, um, you know, do things that we wouldn't normally, we'll have a bad day at work and we feel powerless and we go home and we pick a fight with someone. So we all do things in response to that powerlessness. So having your own sense of power, it's really good mental health is that internal locus of control for sure. So let me... Before we take the break, I want to ask so our listeners understand. So what part of the program is coaching all the children. So that means everyone in the class mm-hmm. might be coached or some of the some of the children might be coached. And they are hearing mm-hmm. the rationale that you just shared with us about what the bully seems to need, but that they're desperate mm-hmm. and their powerless approach puts them in a position where they are doing it in a way that's very painful to other people and in the end is not good for them. Right. Okay. Right. So I'll ask tonight when I do this training, I'll say, why are, why are people mean? And inevitably, someone comes up with because they want power, because that's what they want from that person. They want to get that person upset. When they can get that person upset, they feel powerful. So that's exactly how I go about uh, teaching that. Okay, we're going to take a break. Um, You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about changing bullies into buddies with Connie Palmer. When we come back, we're going to do some role playing so you really have a sense of how this program works. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests or people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. 
Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Connie Palmer, experienced teacher, therapist, school counselor, and expert on the Bullies to Buddies program. So, Connie, we were talking about how this is a program that really could encompass an entire school in terms of training mm-hmm. staff, teachers, parents. Is that right? Absolutely. So, you know, having uh, putting these tools in the hands of kids is very important. But when parents uh, and people who work in a school know how to empower kids in this way, it can really change the whole school culture. Um, in fact, you know, when I was working in a, a school and I had kids from first grade all the way till fourth grade, uh, the kids made a list at the um, when they by the, the, that you know first that first grade class when they were fourth graders made a list of people they felt compassion for in the community, and they said we felt compassion for veterans and the homeless and bullies. So what had happened was not that we're afraid of bullies, but we feel compassion for them. Like they feel sorry for them that they don't know how to use their power, and it changes the whole paradigm of how we uh, look at bullying. So I absolutely, I think, it, you know, being able to do that whole school approach is exactly how Izzy uh, Kalman envisioned it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. So now right. you wanted to begin by telling us about this golden rule toolbox and some of the tools. Right. Let's talk about some of the tools in the golden rule toolbox that you mentioned. Right. Right. So I just want to say first that the golden rule is sort of this old-fashioned thing that maybe a lot of us grew up with, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you or treat others the way you want to be treated. And we, you know, it is, you know, one of the things I think we forget is how powerful the golden rule is. So using the golden rule, which means when people are mean to me, I'm going to treat them like a friend, like a buddy. Now, that's not easy to do. That's why you practice using these role plays in a safe situation so that when they're in uh, the real live situation, they're able to respond in a way that's calm and assertive and they're not upset. And, you know, if you think about, you know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King, these are people who use the golden rule that changed our world. So this is an incredibly powerful thing, not easy to do, but incredibly effective, um, So the Golden Rule Toolbox is a set that I put together of ways that kids can learn how to respond. And the first one in the Golden Rule Toolbox is the question, do you believe it? 
So that can be asked by the the person who's you know being the where to whom the verbal aggression is being directed, or it can be asked by the parent or uh, you know stu- uh, uh, a friend or a teacher or school staff or counselor. So for example, when I'm you you can't see me, but I'm really tall, I, and I've been tall since about fourth or fifth grade, and I was the tallest kid in my school until I was in eighth grade. So I got very tall very early, and kids teased me about being tall. Now, I asked this when I do the, the trainings. I said, why do you think they teased me about being tall? And people guessed, well, it was because you were different or because they were jealous of you. But the, re- the reason that they teased me about being tall is because when they teased me about it, I got upset. And why did I get upset? Because I believe there was something wrong with being tall. So being different isn't the issue. It's what we believe about that difference. So if I had asked myself in, you know, fifth grade, do I believe it? And, you know, or if someone had asked me, do you believe there's something wrong with being tall? I would have said yes. Okay. So that's part of the work that is so important in the um, working with kids on how to feel empowered is because everyone has sort of landmines, you know, things that you can, uh, and, and kids who are looking for power are very good at figuring out what that thing is that will get that person upset. But when you help tease it out and say, well, if you, know, if you don't believe that there's anything wrong with that, like if someone calls you stupid and you say to yourself, well, am I stupid? Or someone says, do you believe you're stupid? And you go, no. Then why are you getting upset? Because you know you're not stupid. And that's the key to this. So if you, you know, beginning to be thoughtful about that and helping kids tease out that belief is often what triggers them getting upset. Um, well, let me just, we used let to me say, just add- you know, go ahead. Sure. Let me add and make it make it a little more complicated. So what if you had said, well, I don't believe being tall is bad, but everybody else believes being tall is bad? Well, so how come is so they believe it, but but do you believe it? That's more important than what they believe. So let's not focus on what they think. I want to focus on what you think. And if you know that being tall is okay, let's figure out a way to not get upset when they say that about you. And I bet what's going to happen is they're going to pretty soon they're going to stop uh, making fun of you for being tall. And so that's, that's exactly what does happen. Okay, so one of the things you do, though, you reassure the child who has a doubt that this is going to work, that it's likely to change mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what happens is when they first do it, you know, and they have to, you know, going forward, they have to use these uh, golden rule-based um, responses because once they go back to getting upset or insulting the person or, you know, whining uh, about it, you've just given that person that reward of power again. So you have to do these consistently. Um, so um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention a couple of them, but then let's get to the role plays because that's where the real fun is. So okay. you can agree with someone. You can change the subject. You could ask, are you mad at me? You could give them a compliment. You could shrug. So kids who are nonverbal, uh, you know, they can just shrug their shoulders. So it basically means, I don't care. Whatever You can say whatever you want. Uh, you can use humor. You can make a joke. You can make the joke uh, laugh at your own expense. You could ask them a question or for advice. You could compliment them. You're so lucky, like I did when you called me fat. You're so lucky that you don't have to deal with a uh, weight issue. You can give them permission. You can keep insulting me as long as you want. I- I'm fine with it. Or, you know, you, you think I'm, I'm stupid, but I know I'm not. 
uh, you can say, yeah, you can, if you don't want me to be your friend, that, that's okay, you know, I'll always think of you as a friend. So these are some of the strategies that we would use. So, so why don't you, you said you wanted to do a role play of maybe someone in third grade or somewhere around that age. Do you want to start that? Right, Sam? okay, so, so I'm going to be a little boy in third grade, the third grade bully, mm-hmm. um, and um, we thought we'd do a third grader and then we'll do uh, a teen. So, mm-hmm. Connie, I don't know where you come from, but you're not like us. You're not going to be playing with us. Do not, do not come near the swings because you know, you shouldn't even be in this country. So, so yeah, it's been really hard coming here to this new school, and and I am different. You're absolutely right, and that's kind of hard, I have to say. But and if you don't want me to play with you, I'll find other people to play with. We don't want you to be here. Not only not play with us, we don't want yeah. you to be here. Do your parents know how to speak You'd rather English? me not even be here. Yep. Okay. Well, you know, I can't, I, you know, my parents brought me here and I couldn't, you know, did you ever have to move? Because I didn't even get a vote in this. My parents just said we're going and God, it's really hard. I kind of wish I could go back to where I came from too, but I can't. Okay. So I'm going to stop because even as the bully, the third grade bully, I'm like a little bit thrown that, whoa, what am I going to answer Connie here, the little one who I'm responding to? Right. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exactly. play devil's advocate and say, you're an extremely verbal little responder. Right. So the question is... See, that's because I've practiced this. Yes, if okay. If I've practiced this, I'm going to be yeah. able to be verbal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the, the ticket and the empowering for the child who... Exactly. The child who really is caught and silenced by someone saying you're different and do your parents speak English, to have some practice responses just drops the anxiety and gives them a tool, as you say. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and what, what really this is about, it's a, you know, um, there's lots of psychologists who talk about unbalancing. And what you're doing when you respond with the golden rule is you're unbalancing the, the, the person who's being mean to you. You're, not, you're what I call messing with the bully. You're doing the opposite of what they expect because they expect you to be angry back or insult them back or cry or tell on them, which is really tattling, we know, right? Um, so there are times to tell, and I just want to say that. I, I think there are definitely times to tell when you're not safe physically we want you to tell. Or when you're stuck and you don't know what else to do, go to one of those people who can help coach you, help you figure out how to respond. Uh, but we, a lot of the time when kids learn this, they don't have to get adults involved. They're able to really solve these problems and that makes them, because there's not always a, a helpful uh, adult or bystander right there. We want kids to know what to do, even if there's no one around who can um, you know, protect them. I'm glad you mentioned bystander because you know a number of the programs feel there's three players. There's the bully, the victim, and the Mm -hmm. bystander. And sometimes it is the shame inflicted by, I'll say, the frightened bystanders who are laughing and don't quite want to align with the bully but are too afraid not to. And so how does the program help the bystander so they don't add to the problem? 
So I guess uh, how I would see this, I don't know if any of you know the show, What Would You Do?, um, you know, where John Stossel goes in and there's a situation. Now, I, when I watch that show, I am totally an upstander. I'm going to go and tell that person off. But in reality, when I'm in a social setting where I'm going to align with someone or support someone who's perhaps of a lower social status than I am, that's a big social risk. And most kids are not going to take that risk. They've done studies of somewhere between 10 to 25% of kids can be that upstander, uh, you know, stand up, protect other kids. But we still want that kid to know what to do when that upstander is not around. So that doesn't really solve the problem. But what I would love uh, upstanders to do is when they learn these, this golden rule toolbox is to say, hey, wh- why are you getting upset when they call you stupid? You're not stupid. Do you believe you're stupid? You know, to begin to help them first challenge that and then give them some ways of responding and even do the role play with them. These role plays mm-hmm. are a lot of fun. So yeah. kids love them. Well, what's interesting about what you just said is I think safer for a bystander. If a bystander comforts or in some way debriefs with the victim, and I don't even want to call them victim because it keeps that asymmetrical relationship going, that is not nothing. Um, in the sense, mm-hmm. in one situation, it was bullying in a an office setting, and nobody could mm-hmm. take on the uh, manager who was constantly verbally um, mm-hmm. addressing down and offending one of the women. Um and so when she showed up at work and there was a bouquet from the, everyone else saying, we're with you, she didn't need them to stand mm-hmm. up. Uh, she really Absolutely. felt That's like, beautiful. okay, they're behind yeah. me. So the idea of helping a child be, be the debriefer or comforter of the um, child who's being mm-hmm. attacked is not a bad idea. In another college program, Connie, recognizing one kid can't take on the verbal bully. They trained the bystanders to always work in pairs so that together mm-hmm. they confronted the bully. Mm-hmm. This was particularly about sexual yeah. harassment. So I, I like mm-hmm. the idea that everyone's being trained. <laughs> so, um, yeah. oh, I'm fine. I am fine with training kids to be upstanders. It's just that a lot of kids, that's very hard for them. Yes. And we still need to have the kid who doesn't know how to stand up for themselves learn how to do it. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I'm all for uh, you know positive reinforcement of kids who stand up for others or sending those flowers. That's a beautiful story. That's, that's what we want people to do for one another. Uh, but we also want people to know how to respond, um, you know, if they aren't, if they are on their own. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that you, you said before that there are times when we want the children to tell when they feel that they're in over their head or they're becoming very frightened. That I And I know mm-hmm. that we're talking about verbal bullying here, but if someone begins to be threatened that they're going to be, we're going to rip you apart mm-hmm. online or we are go- we'll meet you mm-hmm. at, the, at the playground, that's the point <clears throat> at which you would tell them what? You know, so if you're feeling unsafe, you know, I always err on the side of, you know, that you want to you let somebody know that you're not feeling safe and make a plan for how to be safe. Um, so I, I'm, I think that's a really important message to give to kids. But, you know, uh, so, some of the um, mo- most uh, physical bullying, so let's say 
you know, nudging somebody or bumping into them or uh, those, those are things that if you can handle things verbally, a lot of times those things, uh, you know, don't escalate to anything physical. Um, so, you know, but I, I definitely want kids, if they're frustrated or they don't know what to say or they don't know how to handle it, to have someone who's there to coach them and help them learn how to use their power. Mm. You know, I, I want us, we're going to have to take a break, but there's two children that I want us to think about on, our, on the other side of this break. One is a child who does not realize how provocative they are and that they're calling forth the attack um, by their behavior. Uh, because this is the, uh, I'll give the example on the other side of the break. This is a young teen who, no matter where she went to school, somehow she ended up being the victim, Connie. So I, I wanted to look at a child who is being provocative and doesn't know it. And then also, how do we deal with the Billy who continues to be mean even after the school program is is in place? Um, okay, we're going to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're talking, as you know, about bullying, about empowering children so that they are not left feeling like the bullies one step up and they're one step down, that it's an even playing field. We're talking about empowering parents so that they don't suddenly yell at their child for letting themselves be bullied or bullying their child because they were bullied or just feeling helpless. So it's an empowerment program based on treating people with kindness and the way you want to be treated, which when the training's done, it's really a set of skills that children can use. Stay with us. We'll be right back, and we'll be talking more with Connie Palmer. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. 
Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Connie Palmer. She's our expert in the program Bullies to Buddies. And we we're touching base now on certain situations that as parents you might have heard about with your own child, as professionals you, you might have been faced with. And mostly we're thinking about how do we take these situations on and empower. So in the one question that I that I posed before the break, Sometimes a youngster does not know that they are setting themselves up to be a victim. Uh, And in one case, it was a very smart little boy. He was in a gifted program. And in that program, if a question was asked, he was there. He was yelling it out. He would raise his hand, always knew, 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 knew everything. Um, When he didn't know he'd become extremely frustrated and at times be unable to do his work or even start to cry. Well, he was in a very competitive class and he became extremely bullied, very isolated, never invited to the parties. The parents were very concerned. No one knew how to approach this. So so what I would say, first of all, my heart goes out to that kid. It's a very tough uh, to to be that that kid, and also tough to be the the other kids in the class. And um, you know, I think we're lifelong learners in knowing how to gain um, good social skills. And um, so, one of the things that I teach when I do this workshop is I have what I call the power statement and the power question. So, the power statement I teach kids to say is, "My name is." So, for this example, my name is Connie and I have power. So that's the power statement, but the power question, which would get at this situation, is how will I use it? So this this young boy is um, trying to get answer all the questions. He's not letting other people have a chance. And that's something that is, you know, not going to make people, uh, you, you know, they always say if you want to be a friend, act like a friend. So that's not how people treat each other. They, they share, right? And they say, well, you have a turn, I have a turn. So, you know, that's a, for some kids, that's a really hard thing to do because sharing feels like a loss. You know, you're giving up that, you're giving um, some power to other people and you're letting them have a turn. So it would be working with that um, young boy to, and reinforcing when he uses his power well and have, you know, basically let's have, when, when he lets somebody else answer the question, you know, yay for you, that's so great. You know, you were willing to let everybody else have a turn, that's wonderful. And often when, when I would guess that when that child, you know, was able to change their behavior a little bit, some of the behavior from his peers w- would shift as well. 
So it's you're also implying something very important that is to be curious as what is happening with this youngster mm-hmm. and the rest of the class. Mm-hmm. Not to immediately mm-hmm. decide this is a bullying situation and let's make force people to invite him. So, in other words, to be curious, you know, in a positive way to, there's got to be a mystery behind this. I also had mentioned to Connie, mm-hmm. um, a, a very smart girl who was even in college always mystified why she would end up bullied by no matter who she roomed with. But she really had no self-awareness of how critical she was always trying to help but in Mm -hmm. her helping there was a lot of critique of everyone so very often Mm -hmm. the person needs help and from a coach from a therapist even even a parent and teacher Mm -hmm. who start to use the model of curiosity with the goal of empowerment of helping a child become aware because sometimes victims are mystified Mm -hmm. Mm yeah and I think we you know just saying, oh, it's too bad that they're doing that really doesn't, and while you want to have empathy, doesn't really get at what I talk about is really listening to people's behavior. Like, there's a really good reason why people behave the way they do. So what is it telling us? And I think you're right. Having that curiosity can be really helpful. Mm. Now, one thing that you mentioned at the break that I want us to talk about is how dangerous and at times even lethal gossip can be. Um, Because if if gossip, if I'm saying to you, Connie, you know, everybody knows you're a slut. Everybody says that uh, you're online and uh, no one wants to be even near you. Everybody knows. And I would say, right. And if you had said that to me, I would say, well, do you believe it, Suzanne? I sure do. I do believe it because my best friends told me. Yeah, yeah, I you, you can believe it if you want. Well, why wouldn't I believe it if it's true, Connie? Everyone knows that's how you well, are. If you, if you, if you want to think that, that that's true, you can. Just know that you're not going to be invited to anybody's house or parties. No one wants someone like you there. Well, if, if, you, if you don't want to be my friend, I'll, I'll find other people to be my friend. You know, I'll always think of you as a friend. So if you ever change your mind, that's okay with me. But, you know, I, I, you know if you want to keep thinking that, I, I don't think I can change your mind. <laughs> so you can see that um, this particular, you as the victim, Connie as the victim, really put me in a place where, I, well, where do I go? Because no matter what yeah. I say, yeah. it's, it's very effective. And it's yeah. just wonderful to think that a child mm. could do it. When we, I know we're not talking about cyberbullying, but it is worth us oh. helping children understand that they can be more empowered. As cyberbullying victims have said, that you can never erase it. So the question becomes, what yeah. do you say to a child who says, it'll never go offline? You know, and the re- that's, I mean, that's just a, a, such a tragic situation when that happens. And, I mean, it, it reaches often just, a, just an excruciating um, level for kids when their, you know, pictures are being sent around and they're permanent or whatever that might be. But I think the same principles apply. Uh, you know, that you can use the, the bullies to buddies um, strategies with cyberbullying, with face-to-face. Um, so if, if you're getting that sent around and, and you could say, gosh, you know, that picture, 
I, I, I really regret um, that I ever, you know, that picture was ever taken, and I'm really sad people are sharing it. But if you want to share it, you know, I can't stop you. And what happens is when you, you know, instead of saying stop it or just being upset, but when you're, you know, stating that in any of that social media exchange, what happens is it takes the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. And you want to take the fun out of it for people. So, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly, we always want to be checking in on those kids who are on the receiving end of that, because that's when we begin to be concerned about suicidal, you know, ideations and threats, because it feels hopeless. Uh, mm-hmm. The kids feel incredibly powerless um, when they encounter that kind of thing. So we, the adults around them need to be very um, cautious and, and thinking about what, what the impact is that this is having on that particular student. Yes, I've written about this in a blog on cyberbullying. And just one thing I'll pass on in this case, it's great for parents to remind the children, do not pass it forward that you then move from being a bystander to complicit in this mm-hmm. nightmare. Mm-hmm. And to, to just so know that, that just hitting that send button moves you out of the bystander position into a much more dangerous one. Let's talk a little bit mm-hmm. about why why is the grieving child a target of bullying? This is an area you specialize in. Yeah, so we began at Imagine, which is a grief support center located in Mountainside, New Jersey, and there are many of them around the country, uh, you know, that support families who are dealing with the death of a parent or a child. And what we began to hear is that, you know, not only are uh, the kids who come here being bullied about the same sort of things you and I just talked about, but they're being bullied specifically about the death. Uh, which I, I was, I have to say, it shouldn't have shocked me, but I mean, that's how people are, you know, that's when I talked about that sort of temporary sociopath, that they're, they have no empathy for what this terrible thing that they said. So it, first of all, it makes me think, you know, I go out and do grief education in the school, so I want kids to have empathy and compassion. So that's important. But it's also important for these kids that imagine who are grieving because grieving kids are often more of a target because their 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 emotions are right at the surface. So they're surface. Right. So they're very reactive, right? So you know they're uh, they're you're going to get a big response when you're and especially if you say something you know so vicious as you know you know your dad died so he could get away from you or um, whatever the horrible things are that are said. So so let's say if you were to say that to me. You know, I'm going to make sure that my kid, or if I'm working with that child, has a response for when that happens. So, would you say that to me? So, like, I'm your your dad so, died to get away from you. You want all this attention because your dad died, but your dad died to get away from you. You know, I do. Is your dad alive, Suzanne? Yes. Yeah, you you really it's been me. so hard. It's been really hard since my dad died and anyway, I just I I I that my dad I loved him very much. So if you want to think he died to get away from me, I, you know, do you believe that? I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, he he died of cancer and it was really sad and I would give anything to have him back, but you know, I it's it's been really hard for me and and I feel like, you know, kids who have both parents who haven't gone through this, I they're they're lucky. It's really it's really difficult. Wow. It's a very powerful response because very often right. I'll be as the bully, I mouthed off something obnoxious and I don't have another answer. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so the fact that right. in this case the victim or the one being bullied has the answer really gives them more power than I have at that moment. Yes, it's really, a- it's absolutely. Very and, and they're doing and I, it using the golden rule. They're treating you the way they want to be treated. So it's incredibly powerful. I want to talk, because I know we were going to talk about, um, you know, how to help bullies. So if yeah. we remember that, you know, there are some bullies who I would, you know, what I would call a true bully. You know, so this is someone who's an alpha. They're very popular. They love having power over other kids. Now, that's the, that person is not a victim. They, they have a tremendous sense of their own power, and they just need to learn how to use it, right? Um, but the, mo- the majority of people that we end up calling bullies feel uh, that they don't have a sense of their own power. Uh, and feel like victims or feel, you know, feel a sense of powerlessness. So um, when I was working in a school, um, this um, sixth grade uh, uh, girl was referred to me, and she uh, was always in my office because she was very mean. I mean, I have to say this girl was the best bully I have ever met. She could (laughs) figure out the exact thing to say to get you upset, that little hot spot that would, you know, trigger. She made fun of, you know, first graders. She was a mean kid. So after I had attended the Bullies to Buddies workshop, she was sent to my office, and I said, I had the, you know, with the, this new way of thinking in my head, and I said to her, you know, you're mean to a lot of people, but you know what I want to ask you about today is who's mean to you? And right away, this girl said, my dad. And I said, really, your dad, what does he say that's mean to you? And she said, well, he, he calls me a retard. Mm-hmm. So then I begin to think, okay, well, this is what I begin to have that, okay, this, where is this coming from? I'm beginning to understand it. And that, actually, I'm having a lot more empathy for this uh, girl. So then I say to her, do you believe it? Do you believe you're a retard? She says, yes. Um, and indeed, this girl had learning issues. So... You know, part of our work was challenging that belief, right? Challenging the belief that I'm a retard, that there's something wrong with me. So we worked on that. And we also worked on, you know, what, what could uh, she say when her dad said, well, you're a retard. So we, 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 we first of all said that, you know, is it safe for, we assessed, is it safe for her to say this Honey, to her we're dad? Almost out because, of time, you know, so some, I want, some dads. Can I, can I, we're almost at a time, so why don't you yes. quick tell us? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm sorry. And then, anyway, so the, um, the, the, the girl learned to say, well, Dad, I don't think I am, but if you want to think I am, you can. Mm-hmm. So thank you for letting me tell that story. I just want to also say how to uh, contact me if you're interested in coming to the training tonight. We're in Mountainside, New Jersey, and it's from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Uh, you can go to our website, imaginenj.org, to get our address. And if you're wanting to reach out to me to uh, have these trainings in workplaces, in schools, uh, you can, of course, go to the Bullies to Buddies website. Izzy Kalman is often in, uh, he's uh, is currently living in Israel, but he's often in the U.S. and uh, does these trainings. So uh, you could reach out to him or you could reach out to me at cqpalmer at yahoo.com. Terrific. Connie, what, what a gift this show has been. I'm sure parents, teachers, and youngsters themselves have benefited from it. Thank you so much for your work and for being our guest today. Thank you, Suzanne. It was a privilege to be here. Thanks again. Thanks. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, this show and any prior show can be heard as a podcast. After 6 p.m. tonight, Eastern, this show will be able to be heard on your iPhone, on iTunes, on the Voice America 
app for podcast on my on my site, Psych Up Live. Please remember to drop a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, mostly take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 